for some pretty big ideas that I think are driving this issue. And so week one, we started with this concept uh, that I think there is something wrong at the human nature level of mankind where we want to believe that we're better than other people. We want to think and see it that way. In fact, if you look at history, you will find big instances where uh, this reared its head and large groups of millions of people have been exterminated because somebody thought they were better than somebody else. But this kind of thinking shows up in small ways too. It shows up in the ways we talk and treat each other. And it, it kind of infects the way we interact. This better than I think I am kind of thinking. And it's not surprising that we see it showing up early in the text it even causes a problem between mankind and God. It's why it's not surprising that there are some bold statements made by Jesus that go directly against this. We looked at those last week. Jesus looked at um, his disciples and said, I want you to do unto other people as you would have done to you. And the idea was, man, these big moral things that go on, put yourself in their shoes and it even works for preferences. You have to understand how this person lives so that you can respond to them in a way. And so it demands a set of understanding. And then he also said, I want you to love your neighbors as yourself. And both of those were attached. They were connected by this little phrase that helped you understand how significant these were. They, the scripture said that it hinged or it summed up the law and the prophets Everything I, everything I said through the Torah all the way up to the New Testament could be summed up, which makes you wonder, well, why, why didn't you just put those three things in the Old Testament? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do unto others as they would do unto you. Why, don't you, why doesn't it just say that? Why are there books upon books and chapters and verses just full of it? It's because the, um, those things are difficult and the Old Testament tries to give context to what that might look like if you actually loved your neighbor as yourself. If you actually put yourself in their shoes, what would this look like? And so the scripture is just full of this idea that gives context to these big things that God says. They're hard to do. They're hard to do. And in fact, they're so difficult that it makes you wonder if even doing those things would make a difference. I mean, I, I've talked to a lot of people. I guess I've felt this way myself at times too. When you look at the state of angst in our nation right now, even, even among friends and family, the question comes to mind, is anything going to make this better? Is there any way that I could do something, choose something that would allow this to progress and get any better? And a lot of people I've talked to have felt like um, everything that they look at is so far out of their control, they see no hope of reeling this thing back in. Things are just going to get bad and get worse. And I think one of the reasons um, some people are coming to that conclusion is one of the solutions that it seems a lot of people are choosing right now for this. And the solution is to use politics, which here's, here's what drives politics. Laws and force. We come up with something that we believe is right as a society, and then we enforce it. And the goal for a lot of people is to come up with laws that they think will 
force people to do the right thing on these issues. One big problem. See, if you accept the premise that I've laid out, that here's the problem, starts early in human nature, then ultimately what has to change are hearts and minds. And hearts and minds aren't changed by laws. You can change some behavior, but it doesn't change the way that person thinks internally. It doesn't change their attitude. It doesn't change the way they feel. And ultimately, that's where we've got to get to. We've got to get to a place where hearts and minds are changed. Is it possible? Because um, what God had in mind was that he would bring about unity with us. Unity with people who are different from us. And more and more people that I talk to are asking this simple question, can I make a difference on the issue of race? Can I have any impact on this at all? Because this thing seems to have spun out of our control. And, and if I accept your premise that the goals would be for me to love people like I love myself, to treat them like I would want to be treated, that is such a high bar, a high standard. Is there any chance we could even attain to it? I think the question comes down to this. Do you believe that we can change the hearts and minds of people who think color should be what decides if you like somebody or not, not their character? Do you think it's possible to change the hearts and minds of people who put their ancestral heritage ahead of others? Do you think it's possible to change the hearts and minds of people who are convinced right now that there are only two groups, oppressors and oppressed, and they've got to find a way to become the oppressors instead of being oppressed. Is there any way to change those hearts and minds? Because if there's not, then we're in a lot of trouble. Now, here's what I believe. Um, oddly enough, we talked about this in a series um, just a little while ago. We were talking about depression and all the things that come into people's lives, and we made the point that sometimes you can only control what you should control, and the stuff that you can't control, you need to stop worrying about. The, the forces that are driving this issue in our culture right now are stirring up worry, they're stirring up fear, they're stirring up resentment among um, people, and most of those things are outside of your control. But what if there was something that you could control to make a difference? What if there was something that you could do that would have an impact on this issue? And it, it wouldn't just work if one person did it, although it starts there. It would start if a group of people decided they would line themselves up with what God taught. And they would start in their own, in their own hearts and minds, they would start to live out these really difficult ideas like loving my neighbor as myself, doing unto others as I would have it done unto me. What, what if you could do that? And what if it would make a difference? I'm convinced there's a way to help that process move forward. And I want to take you to a place in the scriptures where I think somebody um, did it with their own life. I want to take you to um, a psalm that King David wrote. 
And King David, he's, um, he is a complicated guy. The scriptures say that he was a man after God's own heart. A man after God's own heart that the scriptures also recorded was involved in adultery. And to cover up his adultery, decided to kill somebody to keep it in place, right? To try and hide it. He was, he was so bad at managing his family, great at managing an army, take the guy to war all day long, terrible at managing his family, and it cost most of his sons their lives. So the good, the bad, and the ugly are recorded with David. And I think early on as he wrote, he lamented and would beg for God to come to his aid and to put his enemies down. But later in his life, he started to write differently. He saw some things in a different light. And I think it's that, that idea that I want to introduce you today. And it, it comes up in Psalm 139. And here's what he says. This is verse 1 of Psalm 139. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. Uh, he goes on, by the way, in the next few verses here, and he starts talking about how God has searched him. Uh, God, he goes, he knows when I sit down. He knows when I get up. I mean, he, he's got all these little details down about you. The scriptures say that he knows the number of hairs on your head, and some of you have made it really easy on God for that, but others, less, right? Got a lot of hair going everywhere, and God still knows what's going on with you. But he goes further than that. He goes, it's not just these details that he knows. He also knows what you think. He also knows how you feel. He's in touch with all of that stuff. And, and can you get away from it? Verse 7, he says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? And then he starts listing. He starts listing places that he could go. And he concludes, it doesn't matter where I'm at. It doesn't matter if I'm on the heights of my life, the lows of my life. It doesn't matter where I've gone to hide. It doesn't matter. He still knows all of my thoughts. He knows how I feel. He understands all of this. By the way, David is writing this about himself, but this is very true about you. God knows when you get bored. He knows when you feel insecure. He knows when you're feeling overconfident and shouldn't be. He knows when you've had the best moment of your life and he's celebrating with you. This idea that he's showing here in the text is not some sort of threat. God knows everything about you. Do the right thing. It's not it. God knows everything about you, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and loves you. And David felt overwhelmingly loved by God who knew him. Look at how he expresses this in verse 17. He says, how precious to me are your thoughts, God. Why? Because you know me so well that when you talk to me, I know I can trust you. You're like the one voice that speaks into my life that I can put value in. And so his words, God's words to David started to guard his heart started to guide him. They became of value to him. Why? Because God knew me so well. He knows what's going on at the core of who I am. When nobody else does or can see it, God does. And at the end of this psalm, it seems to take a twist. 
Because starting in verse 19, he starts talking about wicked people and how he doesn't like them and he doesn't, he's not with them, he's with God instead. And it's not a twist because this is what happens. In verse 21, he says this. I think it's brilliant. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord? It's a statement that's said as a question. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm with you. I'm pretty sure I'm with you on this stuff. But you know me really well. Am I? In fact, he goes on and he says this in verse 23 and 24. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Lead me in the way everlasting. Like, I think I'm with you. But in order for me to be sure, here's what I would like you to do. I'd like you to search my heart. I'd like you to reveal anything in me that's not right so that I can follow you in a way that makes sense. That's what I want from you, God. And I'll listen to you because I can trust you. I think this is a beautiful process. Now let's try and bring it into today. I am not racist. That's what most people that I talk to want to say and believe about themselves. But here's the problem. We're up against some big things, right? Human nature is in us that's causing the problems in everybody else. And this desire to feel like we're better than others, better than we actually are, could be a problem that we have. And because that's part of our human nature, and we want to, we want to be on that, that place that says, I'm not racist, I'm wondering what would happen if we took a cue from David and we said it this way instead. I'm not racist. Am I? Am I? And what we do instead is we invite. We invite God to do a search in us. We invite God to inspect our attitudes our responses, our motives, our thoughts, our thoughts that are hidden away from everybody else, and we give God a shot at that. I'm not racist, am I? Opens up the idea that God would be the one who could give us cues, give us insight, actually start to change our heart and our mind. And herein lies the deal. It needs to be done. And the reason it's not happening, I think, I already mentioned one of them. I think in the church, it's happening in the church. The church has chosen at times to change this subject through politics. And they have, they have attached their cart to philosophies that are not a part of the scriptures. Believing that if we just if we just force this along through laws, that everything's going to be okay. It's not. 
But you want to know what the other side of the problem is? That sometimes in the church we have just concluded there isn't a problem. We're going to put our blinders on and we're going to move forward like everything is okay. But it's not okay because human nature is in play. And our human nature likes to believe that we're better than we are. So there could be stuff hidden away from you that you haven't fully grasped or fully understood that's still operating in your life. And it shows up with people who are different than you, sometimes different in color, sometimes different in other ways. See, I think, I think God's values on this are as clear as a bell. And I think the solutions that he gives for this are as clear as a bell. They're just hard. And when they're this hard, it's risky, in my opinion, to conclude that I've got all of this hard stuff down and I'm past it and it's no big deal for me. I'm set. You want to know the truth? That there are pockets of racism still in the church where people believe that they're better than other people just solely on the just solely on race alone there are pockets in the church where people believe that they're morally better than other people and so it causes them to look down at other people and we take it out on each other sometimes along ethnicity lines we have pockets of people who have concluded that it's morally wrong. This is happening in the church. It's morally wrong for a couple to get married if they're from different races. Look, that's happening in the church because we've put blinders on and we've said, I'm not racist instead of, I'm not racist, am I? And our only shot at this is to give God an opportunity to find his way into our heart to make a difference. Band, if you would come up, I would love you to, um, to play the song in just a minute. But the, goal of, but the goal of going to God and saying, I want you to have a shot at my heart and mind is because ultimately the only way we're going to see changes in our world is through the changing of hearts and minds. And I want to tell you what, What's under your control is for your heart and mind to be changed. You could do that. And you do that by bringing yourself before God and saying, I want you to search me. I want you to know me. I want you to find if there's anything offensive in me that needs to be changed. And if it does... I'll change it. And as we start to do this, one person at a time, a group of us committed to this idea, we start to turn the world into the kind of world that we would want to live in. And right now, I have not met, I've not met very many people who feel like this is the kind of world that they want. It's messed up. So I want you to listen to this song and then I want to come up and close because I think it has 
I think it has some core ideas set to music that we've been talking about. I hope you'll check it out. Picking up the pieces, I'm trying out adhesives, I'm trying to fix a place that feels broken. All my words are failing me, my voices don't unveil me, I'm trying to say the hope that sun's broken. Is this the world you want? Is this the world you want? Every day you're alive, is this the world you want? Is this the world you want? You're making it. The world feels so malicious with all our hates and misses. Feels like we're in the business. Yes. It's when I start to listen, all the moments I've been missing. I finally hear a voice I can trust Is this the world you want? Is this the world you want? You're making it Every day you're alive Is this the world you want? Is this the world you want? You're making it Every day you're alive you change the world. You change the world. You change the world. Every day you you change the world. You change the world. You change the world. You start to look like what you believe. You fall time like a stream the waters of time made up by you and I if you change the world for you would you change it for me yeah. what you say is your religion how you say it's your religion who you love it's your religion how you love is your religion are you science your religion are you hatred your religion? Are you words in your religion? Every breath is your religion, yeah. Is this the world you want? Is this the world you want? You're making it. Every day you're alive. Is this the world you want? Is this the world you want? You're making it. Every day you're alive, you change the world, you change the world, you change the world. Every day you're alive, you change the world, you change the world, you change my world.
believe that's the truth. We will change the world by the small choices that we make. The question is, who are you going to listen to as you make those choices? Our culture is offering us a lot of options right now. I would not trust them. I'm trusting one voice in my life, the one voice that knows me better than anybody else, who loves me despite all of the junk that they see. So it comes down to a simple prayer. Search me. Know me. Reveal to me the junk that I have to change. Lead me in a way that as I live, it changes the world. I think this is true for all of us. I've been doing this. And some of the stuff I've been finding has been surprising to me. Attitudes, thoughts. Where did that come from? Why do I think that? What's in that that I need to deal with? And God's going to continue to move my heart to a place where our world will be changed by the choices that I make as I follow him. And I would challenge you that if we want to make any difference on this issue, the same is going to be true for you. So can we just pray together real quick? And if this is your prayer, I ask you would just tell God the same words that I'm about to use. God, search me and know me. See if there are any offensive ways in me. Bring that to my attention and then lead me in a way that I can make a difference. God, will you take us as a community to a place where we can change the world by the small choices that we make every day that elevate other people and refuse to see that we're better, think that we're better than others. God, it'll be a daily challenge. But it's possible if we listen to the one voice that's trustworthy and we follow. Help us to be followers of yours in Jesus' name. Amen.